we had a lot happening this week. We had a lot going on. We've had some great people on The Sound of Black and Brown this week. We heard from Ebony about what it's like being a black person, um, trying to have an abortion in Tennessee, what that story is like. We heard from our young soldier, Manny Camacho, what it is like to be in the now with everything that is happening and unpacking that. And then we had a white comrade come on and share her thoughts on all of this and more, Amy L. CJ here, and this is the sound of black and brown. Let's unpack this week. And so I wanna start off by reading something from the brother that, you know, he just, his impact speaks beyond our time, Malcolm X. Um, and this is an excerpt of um, his speech regarding Afro-American history. So bear with me, right? I'm just gonna read parts of this. I'm not gonna read the entire thing. I invite you to read this because in this time that we're in right now, now is the time more than ever as black and brown people, we should have been doing it. And if you failed at doing it, or if you're not sure, whatever the case may be, today is the day that you wake up and say, I am happy to be in my black skin. I am happy to be in my black and or brown skin. I am gonna go into these rooms. I'm gonna enter the workforce. I'm gonna stand up at the deli Dunkin' Donuts. I'm gonna walk in the street in my skin and live that, right? And understand that. And if you need to re-educate or educate yourself, that'll, that's okay. That's okay. Let's learn from our friends from Alabama, right? When that man threw that hat up, Nobody asked any questions. Nobody doubted themselves. Nobody, you know, that was the signal. We all felt that. I don't care if you're Uncle Sam. I don't care if you're a Sam boy. I don't care if you're not. You could be the most righteous to the least in the fight for the black and brown people. You could be one who has sold us off. You could be one who's been fighting for years. We all felt that shit. All right. So you could sit there and deny it, some of you who would want to, but we all know the truth. We were cheering it on. Why? Because we've been carrying this shit for too fucking long. Too long. So let's go. Right here. Let me read this for you. This is by our dear brother, the king himself, Malcolm X. When you deal with the past, you're dealing with history. You're dealing actually with the origin of a thing. When you know the origin, you know the cause. If you don't know the origin, you don't know the cause. And if you don't know the cause, you don't know the reason. You're just cut off. You're left standing in midair. So the past deals with history or the origin of anything. The origin of a person, the origin of a nation, the origin of an incident. And when you know the origin, then you get a better understanding of the causes that produce whatever originated there and its reason for originating and its reason for being. It's impossible for you and me to have a balanced mind in this society without going into the past. Because in this particular society, as we function and fit into it right now, we're, ha we're such an underdog, we're trampled upon, we're looked upon as almost nothing. Now, if we just don't go into the past and find out how we got this way, we will think that we were always this way. And if you think that you were always in the condition that you're in right now, it's impossible for you to have too much confidence in yourself. You become worthless, almost nothing. But when you go back into the past and find out where you once were, then you will know that you weren't always at this level, that you once had attained a higher level, had made great achievements, contributions to society, civilization, science, and so forth. And you know that if you did it once, you can do it again. You automatically get the initiative, the inspiration, and the energy necessary to duplicate what our forefathers formerly did. But by keeping us completely cut off from our past, it is easy for the man who has power over us 
to make us willing to stay at this level because we will feel that we were always at this level, a low level. That's why I say it is so important for you and me to spend time today learning something about the past so we can be, we can better understand the present, analyze it, and then do something about it. You see what this man just said there? Can you really say that that does, that does not resonate into today? Of course it does. Because a big part of the problem, we became satisfied. Why? Because we're tired. Look how long it took us to break out of slavery, the physical, original aspect of that. Okay? Look how long it took for that to happen. Let's, let's bear in mind, most of us right now don't even have a proper understanding, as he said, of our past. We just believe what has been said to us, what's been told to us, what we've been exposed to, to this point. And then when we get confronted with our past, we're like, no, 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 no. It didn't happen that way. What are you talking about? I have white friends. They're great to me. They're amazing. Not everybody's racist, right? But really, it's an internal battle because your normalized or whatever you thought was what it was just got challenged. And the same for, you know, goes for white people right? You can't expect to sit here and ignore the past and then think, well, we're just going to act like that just didn't happen. We're going to act like our people didn't enslave your people for what, what, I don't know, 400 years. And we'll just put that between us, okay? That's not, that's not how that goes. That is not how that goes. And, you know, that's the thing. As Amy pointed out, one of the biggest parts to this is education, right? You have to educate yourself. You have to be willing to confront these things. You have to have the mindset that I'm not doing harm, but good by really facing this thing for what it is. And then not only putting it in that box, right? Because as I mentioned this week, the new plantation is not just the prison. Don't get confused. It's the workforce. It's the healthcare. It's everything, because we are treated like inmates and, you know, our fate is decided upon how we are judged and stigmatized. I can speak on my experience. I'm mindful. I try to be mindful. Sometimes, you know, I, I have to remind myself that, you know, I could survive based on what I have survived. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way, right? There are a lot of us black and brown people who have lived the experience of racism and what that looks like in various aspects from, you know, things that happen on the job, you know, getting written up or, you know, otherwise harassed for nonsense. You're going to work, you're showing up early, you know, you're even giving the people a whole long, you know, detailed explanation as to why you were late or because you had a flat tire. We're so busy trying to make sure that we are okay and we could stay. You hear what I just said? The immigrants aren't the only ones begging to stay. We, we all are. Or perhaps, you know, you, you know, you're not feeling well and you have to go to the doctor. So now you got to figure that out. You got to justify why you haven't done this or why you might be a little overweight or what you're eating. We're always trying to validate our existence. Or you have a slumlord, right? A slumlord. And you're here trying to make the best of nothing. Right? You look outside, all you see is even more poverty than what you're living in. You see what I'm saying? Can you picture that? Right? They tell us to have hope. They create all these programs. They claim it's about us and for us, but we don't see people who look like us leading or managing these things. And then most of us are scared to even go to some of these places to get assistance because then you got to do all this paperwork. You start to feel like a test subject. Right, and they claim it's all to ensure that they're serving the right people. Nobody really knows what happens to this data when they're giving it to them, right? It's all about, you know, taking taking all of our things from us, even our identity, right? You know, I mean, I, I could go on and on. My point is, is that the chains are all around us. Now, going back to this week, a lot of big things were said. Like I, I started off saying, you know, Ebony very bravely very brave that give that sister a lot of credit because I don't think people in the north fully understand 
how normalized racism is here, especially in Connecticut, right? Connecticut has its own vibe of normalized racism. New York, it's normalized too, but as someone else said to me, you kind of know where and when, you know, the different degrees, you know where to expect it. In Connecticut, like what, what's happening right now with the mayoral campaign, you'll have white people who barely know you or you've barely seen, and then they turn up and say, oh, let's go do this bipartisan um, stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and get endorsed by a bunch of Republicans, but I'll run as a Democrat, and I'm challenging your thought process because I'm doing something so new and innovative. Let me tell you what's new and innovative. When you start supporting black and brown leadership, and when you make it accessible for black and brown people to be in those positions by not having foolish, you know, barriers like the fundraising. I mean, this is a whole other thing, let me tell you. And not only that, even if you were able to crawl your way into getting um, to be able to run for an office, now you have to worry about who's going to support you. Because as Manny, a young, young soldier in the fight, pointed out, that's the other part. It's not just running for office. It's, okay, who's going to support me now? Because the same people who, when you were talking to them and everybody was like, yeah, you know, this is wrong, that's wrong, are they going to really have your back when you get up there? And as this young soul also said to us, right, our own, the people who look like us, are the ones who come with the sharpest knives. That's facts, man. That's facts. That's facts. That's why I keep talking about that Alabama Sweet Tea Party, because those people did not hesitate. There was no time to say, they didn't even waste time, I should say, saying, okay, who know who and who's friend? Nah, 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 nah. It was one got hurt, we all jumping in. We all jumping in. We ain't scared. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a real beautiful thing. And I, you know, I cannot tell you all enough, that's where we need to be at. There's a reason why there's a reason why the government gets scared when we come together they get scared okay and that's what we saw at the alabama sweet tea party we saw people getting together on the fly and saying fuck this and like i said to you all and i'll keep saying it i don't care how much you claim or feel that you have it in with white people all of us all of us felt it, whether you own your skin or not, whether you walk in your skin or not. We saw that shit. Every time we see shit like that, we all sit there and cheer. Some of us do it loudly like me, and some of us do it quietly because of who we have and, be, you know, surrounded ourselves by and become. That's just a fact. You know, you could admit it or you could not. That's between you and whoever you believe and whatever you believe in. And nobody judging nobody here. But the point is, is that, you know, we know we know that enough is enough. My question to you is, what are we going to do about it? Ebony spoke about, you know, being down south and how the racism down there, you know, like, where the racists are. You have, like, a fair idea of, okay, this area right here, this is, this is a point of contention here. But see, here in the north, people will pretend They'll, they'll do this act, this song and dance, this show, this, you know, this mirage of being your friend and believing in you. But the truth is, for some of them, if not most of them, they have to control it and conquer it. It's just in their nature. Let's go back in history. Like Malcolm said, you have to know, you have to know your history, right? We fought to be free. Even after we came over to the north, we still had to fight for our rights to share seats on a bus, to sit up front, you know, to be able to sit in a diner without being harassed or told to get out, you know, direct forms of racism. And you see what happened was over time, you know, the racism, white people realized, all right, I got to tone it down. I can't be as obvious because now... They went ahead and changed laws and shit, and they made all kinds of protections and shit. So I got to make sure I do it in the cut. Like, So what do they do? They come across as being liberal and progressive, you know, whereas they are really, truly conservative and racist. They can't see you do something and be happy for you. They have to be in front. They have. It has to be about them. It has to be them, 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 
and they will, by any means necessary, block you from your progress. Speaking as someone who had to compete for my own space, if that makes sense, yeah, it happens, right? Because even in the movement, you have the white liberals, you know, who come in and they say all the white things and they do all the white things. Some of them even use their gender as, you know, a security blanket. For real, for real, because they could do this because guess what? I have had to go through this, this, and this, so I know all about your experience. No, you don't. You're still white, and I'm still not white. Don't do that. And I think that we've allowed that to go on for too long. We've normalized that in the North. Nobody said that you should not own and be in your gender identity. I didn't say that. I said stop using that shit as a crutch. All right? I've had my head-to-head with many, too many. And when I say many, I'm not talking about 50, 60 people. But to me, more than one is too many. Because here's the thing with that. In my opinion, particularly the white people who use their gender identity as a shield, they are particularly dangerous to the diaspora. Why? Because now you're really saying, I don't give a fuck about black or brown trans or other LGBTQ plus people. Mind you, they're the ones, you know, we have black and brown trans people dying all over the place and nobody could give a fuck. But then when the white person comes out with their gender and they're doing their thing, they dye their hair, they make their changes, they're re-entering society, everybody gets empathetic. They could still do fuck shit because, you know, they're transitioning and they're on hormones. That's wrong. That's wrong. And for all of you who like to support that shit, shame on you. Shame on you. Really and truly, shame on you. Right? Because it shouldn't have to be that way. It really should not have to be that way. Right? It should be that you should recognize, yes, I have this barrier in front of me, but guess what? I could still get, you know, privileges. I still have access to that. Right. I still have access to resources. I still have I still receive the empathy. Okay, the understanding. I can personally attest to being judged literally by my appearance. You know, it's a real thing. Right? I could walk into a room right now, they look at me, they see my skin tone, my hair color, they already decided I'm shit. These are facts, right? Like this is what happens. You know, and my question is, is like, why is it allowed that someone like me gets stigmatized and criminalized in the movement, but then a white person could use their gender identity and get away with whatever they want to be as toxic as they want to be through smoke bombs, you know, agitate a situation enough where black and brown people get arrested, detained or questioned, lose their jobs, you know, all of that. Because we're the ones who pay the price, right? Now, that was one part of the discussion we had this week. But we also talked about, you know, what can white people do? Because there is stuff that they could do, right? Talk to each other. Have these uncomfortable situations. I started once talking about Surge showing up for racial justice, which was a good initiative up to the point where people decided they had, you know, come to their capacity. In my opinion, that's what happened. Meaning, when it came down to actually having to do what you read and you learned, a lot of people couldn't do it. Amy spoke yesterday. Amy, our white ally and comrade who came on um, and is part of the series, What Should White People Do? She spoke about, you know, the importance of white people ascertaining their privilege when police are present, when, you know, when we're surrounded by police and, you know, or being confronted by police, or when we're facing any times of insecurity. What should white people do? And she broke that down. You know, you document, you challenge things, you ask the questions, you act as the protective barrier. At no time did she say, shove them out of the space and take it over. And that's something that's happening, not just, you know, legislatively, right? I mean, think about it. We have all these black and brown people, all these different things happening. But where's that representation legislatively? Where is that representation in the government-supported sector? I'll say it like that. Let me say it like that. Because it's all government-related. 
So within the government itself and within the government-supported sector, where are we? All these studies, all these questions, you know, all, all these different pieces of documentation, but where are we? And why is it so difficult for one of us to ascend into those roles while changing the narrative? Because we also have to contend with the fact that from the law books, the contracts, all these different languages, right, legal languages, books that we study, research papers that we reference and write, we still use terms that are very oppressive. One of the terms that really pissed me off, and I try to be mindful when people say it because it's a personal thing with me, to be quite frank, like I, I, I don't like snap every single time, but it's a word that I, I find that we need to chant it down and that is minority. Why are we continually allowing ourselves to describe ourselves as minority when we are the majority? What's so hard in taking away that word? There's a lot that's hard that, to take away that word. There's a lot because of the power that that word, see words have power. And I can attest to that too, as someone who's been stigmatized and criminalized in my experience, and I'm not the only one, but disclosure, I could speak on myself when those are present and they would like to share, they will do that. I've heard the stories. It's not uncommon. You know, we get criminalized and stigmatized even within the movement, just based upon how we look, appear, and speak, right? I've been, um, you know, critiqued for my words and other things. And it's like, okay, but when a white person does it, it's so groundbreaking. Are you serious? That's groundbreaking. So if I were white, I would get the empathy. I would get the understanding. I would get the olive branch. I would even get funding, to be frank. I'd get funding, you know? And that's the thing. It's like, when is enough enough? And I was so glad that we had different people from different backgrounds having these discussions because you got to hear the intersectionality of it all. I mean, Manny took us into healthcare, um, you know, took us into healthcare, real and direct. Like he broke it all the way down because it's true. You know, I believe that as well. We have people who might as well come out and say that they're Trump's half brother or cousin because of their true intents. I mean, we have people who are receiving government funded healthcare who are being mistreated right now. And we also have employees within healthcare. I mean, not for nothing, I appreciate all the doctors and nurses and all who help us through COVID, but what I wish that we had done a better job of, and we could still do it, give recognition to the support staff. Why are we always support staff? We're more than that, but I'll continue to rant on that in a second. What I'm meaning is, where was the support for all the people who cleaned the hospitals? Uh, you know, the nurses' aides, the PCAs, the companions, the patient transporters, the security guards, who you think are in those roles, right? The clerks at the front, the security guard, you know, who you think doing that work? Who you think is predominantly doing that work, okay? No offense, but not everybody wants to go to college and become a doctor, and that's fine. Some of us pick up trades. Some of us, you know, get certified and move up. Some of us just get a career that we love and just excel at it. But we didn't hear any recognition for them. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And we are still fighting for, you know, our fast food employees to get respect, support, all of it, livable wages, you know. And these are the people who are being evicted, you know, treated badly on the jobs, you know, our reputation supersedes us. Sometimes you don't even need to do nothing. Just show up to work and don't look like everybody else and they'll just go ahead and judge you. I could attest to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all think... Y'all think it's so far-fetched, it's not. Let me tell you, you could really sit in a room, not be a size two with different color hair and not wear what everybody else is wearing, you know, having a little Malcolm X t-shirt. And people will really sit there and make their assumptions of you, whether they want to say it out loud or not. And this is not only white people, but our own people too, like Manny said, you know. And all of this comes together as far as how can we really progress if we keep digressing? You tell me. Mm -mm. Can't keep digressing. And we need our black and brown people 
to educate and re-educate themselves, right? You should never stop learning. You should never say, this is my stop. If that's how you view education, then you have a lot to learn. And the truth is, whether you acknowledge it that way, I'm pretty sure you're learning how to do something or learning about something. So whether you want to admit it out loud, you are actually continually learning, right? Let's not, let's not make a barrier that doesn't need to exist. Learn, re-educate yourself. If you didn't know about what happened with slavery in Connecticut, go read it up. Go find out what really happened here. Mm -hmm. Go read up about downtown New Haven being a central port for slaves. Yes, I just said that. Downtown New Haven being a central port for slaves. That is a thing, right? Read it up it up if you think if you think you know that sounds weird to you read about it find out what I'm talking about right figure out you know like Malcolm said you gotta look at your past to understand your present you know maybe researching that a little bit will give you a little clarity as to why institutions like Yale owes this town so 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 much more you know Yale has taken so much from our town and giving us so little back, right? I mean, look at what's going on right now. We have a big time housing crisis happening. I wanna take a second to shout out a comrade of mine, a brother in the struggle, he's been in it. He brought a lot of attention to something that gained momentum that it lacked and should have had prior to COVID. Uh, the, the honorable, great, and amazing Jesse Jayhoff Hardy, right? That man, you know, lived experience, lived experience, and he forged the fight for the houseless. He really did, right here in New Haven. He tried everything, probably things I don't even know about, so people could pay attention and realize we have a problem. We have a big, 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 big problem here. And you see, all COVID did was accentuate a lot of things, including poverty and what it looks like and who's really, really suffering. We saw black and brown people get up and go to work during COVID, man. They had no choice. They had to. Who going to help them pay their rent? Right? We saw so many black and brown people who couldn't find jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have or have access to the resources. Right? We saw, like, you know, a different view of policing. Or maybe it's a view that we always had. I mean, the alphabet boys always fucking with us. We saw white toxicity at its finest. I mean, again, I don't understand how people could be anti-Trump and then see the signs of white toxicity within their equity movement or social justice movement, be it government funded or not, right? And not say we have to challenge that. Mm -mm. I don't get it. So what are y'all doing all these DEI classes for? Amy pointed out that you can't just read either. You got to take action, right? And she shared her view of what she would have done if she had been at the Alabama Sweet Tea Party. She would have, you know, documented as much as she could have. She would have, you know, made sure she got as much information about the white people as possible and not put a single hand on a black or brown person, right? I mean, there's a lot to be said for that because that is what you should do for real we saw that you know despite the fact that the black and brown people in alabama were not wrong guess who was arrested first mm-hmm. yep guess who was arrested first now y'all have to know they weren't going to take that sitting down either white people and i don't know if you saw this yet but <laughs> your friend trump just made some statements about a possible World War III. So you know what's on his agenda. You really think he sat there and watched that and was happy to see it? No. He's going to use that to fuel the racism. Every act, every time we get up and stand up and they see that, and let's be real here, each time these things happen, we're gaining more and more momentum. We even have more and more white people starting to say, you know what, yeah, I need to make a change. And that's what needs to happen. We cannot let somebody like Trump and those with that mindset, whether it be Democrat or Republican, take office. And I hate to be the one to tell you this, but that bipartisan bullshit, 
that's that all lives matter shit. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My opinion, a Republican will never, never, ever, ever exceed their boundary. Ever. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that at all. Trust me. If you're waiting for that to happen, for the black and brown people who believe that that is a possibility, the only person you're fooling is yourself. Now, one thing to remember, pardon me, I have a little dry cough here happening. One thing to remember, the <clears throat> Democratic Party was born out of the Republican Party. Think about that for a second. Why did they do that? And what does that mean? And how come even though black people were the ones who pushed for that, we were also pushed out of leadership of the Democratic Party from from the jump, right? Even though we were the ones saying, look, we can't just have these people telling us what to do and how to do it. We need another party. Even though we were there, we, it was our idea, Partly our idea. I don't want to discredit anybody else. It started off with a couple of white people saying, yeah, that's a great idea. That's fantastic. We should do that. But then they shoved us out. Mm -hmm. And then they decided how much we could participate. You see what I'm saying? So like Malcolm said, you got to look back at your past. And that's why, like, if you're looking for white people to save you, you got to be careful with that. Now, I did not say they're not white people who will support and empower you. That's two different things. And I think that, well, I should say, I know that when I speak on this, it is probably perceived and accepted that I'm talking about everybody. No, there are actually white people who support and empower black and brown people. And what I need them to do, and what we need you all to do, matter of fact, is to up your game now. Get brave, right? Being violent is not the solution. Being violent is not the solution. And I'll tell you why. Because when you all decide to get violent, we get arrested. Right? What you need to do is to remember that you have the power, the privilege, and the police. We don't. So when you look at that, then you ask yourself, what does equity really mean? Does it mean that I go and I form an org or I infiltrate an organization and I have to be leadership? Do I have to control and conquer it? Or could I continue to support it, provide support, advice, resources, and in that way help the black and brown people build? Am I willing to sit there and listen to them as they express their thoughts and truth? Or will I get offended and afraid and begin to think that, oh, God, I can't deal with that person because they say things that upset me. But why is it about you? If a black or brown person comes to you and expresses their thoughts on how they were treated or their experience, I should say more specifically, by another white person, just because they are involved in something that is to benefit black and brown people does not mean they're an ally. That's a real thing. Imposter syndrome is a real thing. I don't know how to classify that. Like, how should we classify that? I don't know. I'll figure it out. The point being that, you know, it is very real and it happens too often and it has become normal as a sign of alleged progress where white people come into our movement. They start off at allies. They claim they're all about our community. Next thing you know, they're doing a study about our community. Next thing you know, we lose our space. Who does that befit? Who did that befit? And why do we feel like we need them to be successful? I never said that they couldn't help us be successful. But we heard from Amy, right, who, I have to tell you, as a white ally and comrade, has had her share of pushback from white people for challenging their whiteness. Yes, Yes, because you see, some of us, some white, I can't say us, let me take that back. Some white people, if not most, have a whiteness limit, meaning 
when you get to this point of my whiteness, I can't do no more. Now, now you're just getting ridiculous. You see? Now you're just, you're just going too far. Right? And Amy has had that experience. So I appreciate her coming on on our new series, What Should White People Do? Because her speaking on that and sharing her experience has been really, 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 really pivotal. Right, And I hope that you all understand that this is not being done as a way to chastise, but rather, as Malcolm said, you got to confront your past. You got to confront your past. You can't just come here, say all the white things, do all the white things, and then we're supposed to just say, oh, you're amazing. Here, take over. I'll just be your support now. That's ridiculous. And it's happening too much. And it's not just, let's just say it. I'll say it out loud. We don't just see it in the legislative office either. And that's something people need to realize, right? You know, the normalized racism that we see out here in the North is not just present in legislation. It's present in small groups. It's present in government-funded organizations. It's present in the movement and in, you know, social justice organizing. There seems to be this need for white people to just insert themselves and take it over because in their minds, they're the ones with the expertise. They're the, I mean, come on. Again, it comes down to power, place, and privilege, right? Why can't you let me lead my movement? Why can't I, you know, lead my thing? Why do you feel like you have to, you have to do that, right? Like, I mean, if you're a real ally, you should have no problem giving up your space. That's just what it is to me, right? Now, that's why we need to really, as black and brown people, face ourselves, all this judgment casting, right? Are we going to piss each other off? Of course, of course, but don't help them tear each other down, tear us, tear us each down. You shouldn't be standing there watching them fuck us up. You should be like, nah, listen, all right, okay, I know I had my differences with so-and-so, but that don't mean they deserve that. That's what you should be doing. Those people in Alabama, at any given time, somebody could have just stood there and just recorded the whole thing and watched this all happen and didn't do nothing. But that's not what they did. Nobody stopped to do any kind of Facebook lookup or check this or look at that. They just went bam and they handled the business. And that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. I mean, we need to get better at that. We need to get better at supporting each other. We need to get better at empowering each other, uplifting each other. We need to get better at believing in each other, for real, for real. And we need to recognize that our young people are watching. They're watching. And if this is how we're treating each other, how do you think they're perceiving that? You're just drawing them into the whiteness. Because if we can't get along, why the fuck would they care about when we say that we need to, you know, challenge white people and we can't even get along with each other and support each other. And in fact, some of us even stand there and encourage and support when white people fuck us up. Like, so why, if that's how we treat each other, why do we expect the young people to know or do different? Let me read on from Brother Malcolm X, you know, on African-American. But when you find those of us who have been following the nationalistic thinking that prevails in Harlem, we don't think of ourselves as a minority because we don't think of ourselves just within the context of the American stage or the American scene in which we would be a minority. We think of things worldly or as the world is. We think of our part in the world and we look upon ourselves not as a dark minority on the white American stage, but rather we look upon ourselves as a part of the dark minority who now prevail on the world stage. And when you think like this automatically, when you realize you are part of the majority, you approach your problems as if the odds are on your side rather than odds are against you. You approach demanding rather than using the begging approach. Facts. Facts. This is why I'm saying that word minority is dangerous because we're not the minority. We are the majority. It's mostly us facing houselessness. It's mostly us facing barriers to health care. It's mostly us battling the education system and the prison system. It's mostly us. 
having to deal with the impact directly, especially directly and indirectly of racism. It's mostly us dealing with job insecurity. These are things affecting mostly us. It's mostly us not having access and opportunity to receive government assistance or even to participate in democracy. It's mostly us. We are the majority feeling these barriers and we are also the majority, period. And we should act upon that and do that because when you have a young person like Manny, as he said earlier this week, really sitting there and thinking, I don't know who's gonna support me when I run for office. I don't know if it makes sense for me to run for office. I don't know if I'll get support. He hasn't even ran for office yet. Man didn't even run for office yet. Kid's only 18 years old about to head to college. Think about that for a second. And he's already saying, by the time he gets there 10 years later, 10 years down the road, he expects not to get the support, encouragement, right? from his own community, much less white people. Why? Because we too busy tearing each other down. We too busy doing that. We can't see each other do nothing. And then we allow white people to not just compete for our spaces, but to take them and overcome us with their white saviorism and liberalism and all that other stuff. We let that happen. It's not the opposite way. We let that happen. We do that, right? Now, nothing's perfect, and we should understand that, foremost, we are not perfect. They gave us a book full of lies and called it the Bible, and it's actually a book full of sins, actually, if you read it properly. All Jesus did was sin up and down, before, after, during, right? And really, it's a, it's a guide on humanity. Like, this is what happens when you fuck up. This is what happens when this happens. That's what, I guess, I don't know, that's a whole other thing i don't want to go too far into that but the point is is that they told us how to be and we decided it has to be that way right and so we will always have this constant battle between the spiritual and not so spiritual because they created that battle from the beginning and we fell for it what happened to believing in ourselves and our community what happened you know like i for the people who read the bible i i often wonder if they just stare at it you know um like, what do you just pick up the book and look at it and decide, like, this page and this page looks good? Because the amount of people who read the Bible and claim to be Christian, Catholic, you know, Presbyterian, whatever it is. But they're so judgmental. Some of the most judgmental like, folks I have met had ties to spirituality in that way. That's very interesting. I thought the Bible said not to judge nobody. So what the fuck? Right, but going back to young Manny, the fact that age eighteen, at age eighteen, this young man, this young man expects not to be supported. How y'all really feel about that? We keep talking about the future and we keep blaming these young people. We keep, you know, we decided it's okay to criminalize them. Like, you know, we sat here and COVID happened and then we decided that, you know, Oh, yeah, all the white, you know, all the young kids, you know, they're just being bad. They're just being bad. That's why they're, you know, they're not showing up to school. They're not going to college. Fuck the fact that they had to deal with being, um, you know, confined to their homes. Fuck that, right? I mean, we bitch and moan about it. I still, I know people still who are still, sorry, trying to adjust to being in society in different ways. You understand what I'm saying? Some people have even shared with me that they, you know, find that they could no longer tolerate being amongst people as much as before. Like being under quarantine and in solitary confinement, suedo solitary confinement, because let's be real, you still had a bathroom that you could use by yourself, most of us. You still had a kitchen that you could go in and cook food, most of us. You still had a TV. You still had access to things, most of us. In prison, much less on the streets, that does not exist. So acknowledge your privilege. But anyway, we've had people come to us talking about like, you know, going back to work and how they had to get used to, you know, being around white people and even their own people. 
we had people talk about going back into society and you know, I don't really want to go to the club no more. I don't feel like it. Like, you know, pre-COVID, we're clubbing, you know, this one going and buy this outfit and we meeting up here and we're doing this and we're doing that. Bop, bop, bop. People have said to me, I'd rather stay home. The driving, as I said before, many, many, many times, and I'll continue to say it, a whole different type of driving now. Nowhere near the same. People driving like they want to die sometimes. I, I mean, I can't figure it out, you know. But we're not paying attention to that as much, much less the impact that having to transition from the devastation of a global health pandemic had not only on us, but the younger people. I, I mean, I say it all the time. I don't know how I would have done if I were one of them and going through high school. That's a hell of a milestone. So special shout out to all the youth who were able to make it through and who's still trying. You know what I'm saying? We didn't stop to think that maybe the reason why, you know, so many of our young people fell off in terms of their education is maybe they had to become the breadwinner. Maybe they had to get a job. Maybe they had to be the one to go out and support the family. We didn't give a fuck about that. We didn't give a fuck about how many young people did not speak English as their first language. And then you had them being homeschooled. You just, you know, I mean, we just recreate the chains over and over and over again. And then we expect the results to be different. And then we wonder why. But I'm telling you what happened in Alabama. I don't give a flying fuck. If you're a Republican, a black or brown Republican, I don't care if you decided that you know, you can't deal with black or brown people no more. You just go and hang around white people. I don't care how much you deny your melanin. I don't care if you do. I'm not saying I don't care you do literally. I'm just trying to make a statement here, so don't come for me. The point is, all of us saw that, and we cheered because we're fucking tired. We're fucking tired. You have to think about that. We are not the minority. We're the majority. Why would they come to our country, steal our people, our food, our land, our resources, if we didn't have the talent, if we didn't have the knowledge, if we didn't have the capacity, capability, why do you think they did that? Why do you think they fund wars to take us over? Because we are the majority. What do you fuck you think going to happen? The day the black and brown people get up and start to work together, right? They don't want to see that. They don't like seeing that. So, of course, they're going to encourage infiltration. Of course, they're going to encourage the white toxicity because, once again, too many white people, if they can't control and conquer it, they will destroy it. And they have to come in our spaces and they have to take over. And the fuck up part is we allow them to do it and we don't hold our ground. And then what happens is our, our shit goes AWOL, it goes everywhere, we're misrepresented, underrepresented, and we're sitting here trying to figure out why, but you just created the problem. You let them in your space and let them take it over, right? We should be challenging the fact, right, that it is so difficult to meet the financial requirements to run for office. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That right there is gatekeeping in a legislative level. I mean, there's different levels to gatekeeping. They gatekeep us in the government-funded programs because they make sure that when we apply for these grants and sources of funding, they make it so you have to give them like a research paper, right? They turn everything into a study to validate giving away the money. But then they turn around and say, we want to help you improve your experience without recognizing lived experience, like Manny said yesterday and the day before and the day before that. This is a young person saying this shit. Not me, not just me. Take note of that. This is what our young people think. Guess what? The young people actually think about shit. And like I said to you, if they, say, they see us being so willing and able to allow white people to come into our spaces and shove us out, I don't give a fuck if it's in government. I don't care if it's in the street, the deli, the bus stop, you know, the gas station, right? They're shoving us out of our own movements. What do you think they're thinking? They're thinking, well, fuck it. If y'all don't care about each other, why should we care about what you're doing? And for that matter, why should we care about fighting these wars and barriers? Why? You're not doing nothing about it. You're too busy encouraging them to keep it going. Don't think that they don't think. They do. 
And we're doing a very fucking sloppy job of acknowledging that. We sit here, we've allowed our youth to be criminalized already. It's bad enough that most of our public schools look like prisons. But like I said, the education system kind of turned its back, not kind of, it turned its back and said, well, the absenteeism is because the kids don't want to learn. No, it's not. There were language barriers. There were tech barriers. Nobody, you know, held Comcast accountable. Comcast just got more money. UI was able, and all the energy companies were able to charge us out our ass. So now we're all in debt, one way or the other. But our poverty and our debt doesn't matter. Fuck that. You're supposed to be able to figure it out because, you know, all of us have a stash of wealth packed somewhere. I'll tell you what. Me personally, I don't have the kind of money where I could go into a town and buy a foreclosed house cash. But I know someone who did that. And it was a white person who's very toxic and they get away with all kinds of shit. Because well, guess what? Money talks when you have that privilege, not just the skin color and you have that money and that access to resources. You could, you could buy your way into anything and they're doing it and they have done it and they'll continue to do it. But you heard Amy talk about that. And Amy, as a white person, a white comrade, a white soldier, an ally in the fight, she herself has had to deal with her share of clap back for standing up against that. Why is that? If we're all about equity, diversity, inclusivity, and belonging, why would a white woman get challenged for saying, hey, you, stop taking up all that space? Hey, you, stop trying to push people out of space. Hey, you, be more supportive and know your place. Why would she get clapped back for that? And why do we encourage the toxicity? So those were the things that we spoke about this week. And we started it off with Ebony telling her story as a black woman in the South and what that racism looked like and how that impacted her access to reproductive resources. Telling you, and as she said, if we're not careful, the same thing is going to happen here. Because again, somebody, I don't know where the rumor started, but somehow people think that the people who have abortions are just out there just doing whatever. It doesn't matter if you're a sex worker. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you're a single woman. Bounce off my body. All right, that's my uterus. People get abortions for different reasons. And what she spoke on is how racism plays a role into that in the South. And also from her own lived experience, what the racism looked like in the South versus the North. And she pointed out, very vivid in the South, like you know where to go, you know who's going to be racist, but you also know who knows their space and place. And who will support and empower you? Because as compared to the North, once again, they show up and they say they want to run for mayor. Or they come into our groups and they say, oh, I just want to help. And then they bring their money and, and all the other things that they have. And then they're slowly trying to shove us out because now they know enough to take over. And we let them do it, right? Or we feel, conversely, like we have to do things the white way. And we need their support. I never said they cannot support us. But why do they have to shove us out? Didn't Shirley say, if we don't have a seat, bring a folding chair? So where's your folding chair at? How, how often are you going to see this happen before you realize that until we change that thought process amongst ourselves and realize that we do more when we support each other? And let me tell you something. You don't have to be friends with somebody to support them. Let's just cut that shit right here, right? I don't have to be your friend. You had to really do something to piss me off to an extreme, extreme level, which has happened where I say, you know what? I won't talk about you, but I won't deal with you, right? But at the same time, some conversations we could keep to ourselves, the gaslighting. We gaslight each other. And most times we're encouraged to gaslight one of our own because of a white person. Get out of here. Come on. And, you know, conversely, return to them to support our gaslighting. Stop it, right? Stop it. Nothing about us without us, right? And they don't want us to get up and stand up in our power, like Malcolm said. They don't want us. Let me read a little more about this from Malcolm X again on Afro-American. And this is one of the things that is frightening the white man. As long as the black man in America thinks of himself as a minority, as an underdog, he can't shout, be so loud, or if he does shout, 
he shouts loudly only to the degree that the power structure encourages him to. <laughs> he never gets irresponsible. Talk, Malcolm. Come on now. He never goes beyond what power structure thinks is the right voice to shout in. But when you begin to connect yourself on the world stage with the whole of dark mankind and you see that you're the majority and this majority is waking up and rising up and becoming strong, then when you deal with this man, you don't deal with him like he's your boss or he's better than you or stronger than you. You put him right where he belongs. When you realize that he's a minority, that his time is running out, you approach him like that. You approach him like one who used to be strong but is now getting weak, who used to be in a position to retaliate against you but not in that position anymore. You see that? Those words resonate today. That man, his legacy will live on forever. See, at the time Malcolm talked that talk, just like what happens now. See, because when black and brown people talk like that, and I could attest to that, right? I'm no stranger to being critiqued for my view on white supremacy and my tolerance for white toxicity. No stranger, right? And I don't give a fuck because you know what? If I buy into it once, twice, I've allowed it to happen. I have to hold myself accountable. Not everything requires a protest. Sometimes we could say these things face to face, challenge it. You don't have to, you know, what do you think Malcolm will think if he saw what's going on now? You think he'll be impressed with what we're doing? I don't think so. I think he'll look at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you all? Because you see, we let them take up too much of our space. At this point in history, we should have better representation, black and brown people representing us legislatively. We should not have the Board of Allers saying to us it's not germane for undocumented immigrants to be part of the Board of Allers or the Civilian Review Board in New Haven. Fuck you mean it's not germane, Jeanette? Huh? What you mean? You forget where you come from? That's what I'm talking about. So you get in office and the white man approve of you, so you germane now. You forget your ancestors were undocumented, just so you know. Let me tell you, that's a whole other topic I have to rant on. You don't want me to get started with that. I'm very disappointed in New Haven. Seriously. And I shake my head, especially to the so-called white allies, because you see, it's so funny to me, ha-ha, when Dusted Elliker first ran for office, he used the backs of the immigrants to get into office. He lied and he said he would make New Haven a real sanctuary city. This man didn't even bat a fucking eyelid, and he's running for mayor, full support. I don't even know what his campaign manager looks like. That man probably still on vacation, or whoever it is, could be a woman, could be, you know, whomever is on vacation, and he got that support with the DTC, no problem. Ganem, corrupt as fuck. The DTC, give him a high five. Lauren Garrett, her ex-husband was a slumlord, ran a series of illegal rooming houses, and still does it. He's even running for um, something out in Hamden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, she ran her ticket on the backs of the Black Lives Matter movement. Paul and Stephanie. Yes, and she became mayor. See? And you all support the shit. And then you get mad at the immigrants when they get up and stand up. Don't get me fucking started. What you mad at them for, huh? What you mad at them for? Because they organize? Because they know to stick together despite the bullshit? Because they know, ah, I have to get up and stand up because they're not scared? See, I have to I have to support that. I'm an immigrant too. And like I told you all a couple of days ago, follow the food, man. Follow the food. You'll see where... Uh, you know, the West Indies and South and Central America become one. You could see it. You could see where our ancestors travel. You could tell we're related. We're all related. I told you at parts of Trinidad, people speak fluent Spanish, you know, fluent Spanish. You would swear, right? But they're born in Trini. You understand? On another side, speaking French Creole, follow the path. Know your history, like Malcolm said, so you could fix your present, understand your present better. Because when you know the origin, you'll put the pieces together and understand why they need you not to know that. They, why you need to stay ignorant. Why you need to give them control. Why you need to believe in them supporting you to do something. That's not what this is about. Listen, I didn't say that we can't work with them, but you have to have the discipline to know and recognize who's really on your side. 
being on my side does not mean you come into my space and then slowly take it over. That's not being on my side. Being on my side is when you say, let me help you and give you the support, empowerment, and encouragement. What did Malcolm say? What did he say? Elijah Muhammad told us what? The camera is the who's narcotic. The camera is the white man's narcotic. If Let me tell you something right now. I don't care if you're doing government-funded or grassroots. I'm telling you this for a reason. Anytime a white person comes and they start with this bullshit where they're volunteering and pretending to give a fuck and pretending to support you, but then slowly and surely, they, they all of a sudden have to be part of all your decision-making. That's not a good sign. That's not support. That's, I'll come, I'll conquer, I'll control. And especially if they come and divide, right? No, I'm not a Republican. I'm saying that 15 times. All y'all who believe in this bipartisan bullshit, I'm happy for you. I'm not with that, right? If I had it my way, we'd have actually more than one party. I don't even think it should be just a three party. Democracy means democracy. Open it up. Let's see what happens, right? You can't change anything if we all think the same. It's not going to change, and that's why it's been this way. And also the reason why they've allowed it to be a two-party power system for so long, and also the reason why, you know, on the alleged Democratic side, they've made it so difficult for black and brown people to participate. It's all about the gatekeeping and gaslighting, man. Let me tell you, that's why I say don't be afraid to stand on your own two feet, right? Don't be afraid. Your people will find you and support you. Know that. And guess what? If they gaslight and are fucking one of, one of us up, if you have nothing good to say, shut the fuck up. But don't support it. Don't support it. Because if they did it to them, they'll do it to you. Trust and know that. Trust and know that. Show me your friends. Show me your friends. Right? I'm telling you, Malcolm, Malcolm wouldn't be happy. Huey would not be happy. Right? We need our black and brown men. We need to protect them. We need them to get up and stand up. We can't do it alone. Right? I didn't say we can't work with white people. I said we have to evaluate our capacity, our boundaries, where we want to see things going. What does that look like? Again, right here in New Haven, we have a black woman who I don't know what history book, I don't know what her, you know, I'd love to see the results from her ancestry.com because I swear the shit that comes out this fucking woman's mouth. is I, This is why I can't go to the meetings, you know. First of all, I refuse to pay Yale more money with them fucked up parking rates. I feel like as a New Haven resident, get my fucking card, I should park anywhere I want to. You understand me? How the fuck you have African descent? Are you talking about it's not germane for the undocumented people to be in the room fighting for their rights to access to be members of the border alders? You serious? And then we have a next one over in the Civilian Review Board who, I don't know if she dropped and hit your head, but seemed to forget immigrants actually supported the creation of the Civilian Review Board. See what I'm saying? But you know what the problem is here in the this, this state, right? Where we see one group of immigrants, it only could be so many in one space. Real talk. Just like this shit with the Husky for immigrants, right? There's a whole group support that, you know, representation matters. We need to stop the tokenism. Cut that shit the fuck out. But back to Jeanette. This chick really stood there and said, it's not germane. It's not germane. You, you know what not germane? Your attitude not germane. You know what not germane? Yeah, you fight for the Q house to come back here. But what you're doing about Yale taking us out of our own homes, our lives, our neighborhoods, what are you doing about that? That's not germane. It's not germane that you're not fighting for more of us to be represented. That is not fucking germane. Your ancestors shaking their head. They're looking at you like, this whole what you're doing here not germane, sis. For real. For real. Take that with love. Take that with love and try to do something about it. It is not germane when we turn our backs on each other. I'm telling you all that, especially for the white man and their goals. I try to warn you all that Elikar has a plan. He is planning to tear down Long Wharf all the way to Union Station and make that into a pier. Why? Because he wants to make a ferry that goes from that point to New York. If you look at the landscaping over there, the highway, look at everything the next time you're passing there by Long Wharf. Look, look from 
right to left. And think about why they're not doing certain things infrastructure-wise. Why you think they're not pressing to rent out certain parts and fix this and do that? Why you think they're letting the slumlord and go on? Come on, our representation matters. Again, speaking of the houselessness, much respect to the brother, Jesse J. Hop Hardy. For years, this man talking about houselessness, right? Don't forget that. We, we in the fight, you know. We're only thinking about, um, you know, tenant rights and houselessness. Don't forget, it had black and brown people who fight and fought for that too. Please don't forget that. Don't let the white media fool you. Don't let the white media fool you, right? We need to get better with that. We need to demand our representation. We need to stop standing there and watching each other get torn down. That's some bullshit, right? And we need to put the Republican reporters who spread the white media, like Megan Friedman when she tried to gaslight the fuck out around the sea, put them in their fucking place, right? Posing as an ally, coming into the people and them events and shit, and then you trying to gaslight that black woman. Shame on you. And what white people could do is... Y'all need to be the ones to confront that with each other. Real talk. Real talk. Anytime you see a black or brown activist or person getting gaslit in the white media, it's your job to fix that shit. It's your job to change that. It's your job to challenge that and make sure it don't happen again. Stop showing up to be protests and events and thing and bawling, you know, no justice, no peace when you maintain the unrest right? It's, it's more than a picket sign. It's more than that. It's about really chanting down this white toxicity. Because for people like me, and all like me, outside is America. I can't thank you all enough for all your continued support, encouragement, and solidarity. I truly appreciate you all. I had a little hiccup here, you know, technology at its finest, right, with the title of the podcast. But that's okay. We made it through. We're here, and we're going to continue the conversation. Continue to tune in. We have this new series. Thank you, Amy and Manny. What should white people do? That date and time might be subject to change. We also have our friend Three-Fifths who's going to be on. He's also about to launch some stuff and continue the dialogue on challenging the narrative and changing it. Can't thank you enough for your continued support, encouragement. You know, your solidarity is greatly appreciated. We could be the change. We just have to decide to get uncomfortable and do it. Let's make the racist